Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Symbol. Guys, we have a brand new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you can earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the nearly 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your deposit risk-free. Again, that's www.simbull.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. <laughs> What's up, guys? Back behind the mic and back on schedule, thank God. Uh, ready to uh, move on to week number seven, even though I am dreading this game even more than I was. Well, actually, I was excited about the Green Bay game, but I am definitely dreading uh, this one, uh, the way the Bucks have played uh, so far, or at least the highlights and, and things that, that I've seen, the scores that they've been able to uh, put up, you know, even if the Bears, even if our defense is able to minimize what uh, Tampa Bay can do uh, offensively, it's our offense that uh, has, you know, is the big problem. You know, we're, we're ranked number 32 in the entire league. Uh, for a reason and uh, you know 14 points against Green Bay was never going to get it done and uh, you know it's it's just not a, a good prospect uh, for victory uh, this Sunday you will hear me tell our guests uh, from the pewter cast uh, that uh, you know when they ask me what I think it will take for the Bears to win uh, my, my answer was simple and I'll reiterate this tomorrow with the uh, keys to the game uh, and such the way the Bears win uh, it's not by, you know, going out there and beating the, the Buccaneers straight up. If that happens, I will be floored. If I'll be thrilled, but I'll be floored if the Bears just go out there and play their game uh, and beat the Buccaneers. Uh, what it will take for us to win, I told him, and you'll hear me say it, was uh, something not planned. And I'll let you guys wait until you hear it in the interview to see how what I mean uh, by that. But uh, that is uh, that was my answer, and I believe that. That's what it will take for the Bears uh, uh, to win. So um, 
anyway, uh, I, I love having Ren uh, on the show. Uh, he's got a new co-host. Uh, Steve Carney is his name. And um, he's going to be joining us uh, as well. And it's kind of a, a two-for-one uh, show because if you download the latest inter- uh, latest version of the uh, latest episode of the Pewtercast, you will hear this exact same interview uh, as the uh, Bucks and Bears preview for the Pewtercast guys. So you'll hear us kind of going back and forth asking each other questions because we're both treating this as our preview for our respective uh, episodes. So if you guys notice that all of a sudden I'm the one answering the questions instead of the one asking them, that's why. So uh, anyway, let's go ahead and get to it. Myself, Rendax, Steve Carney from the Pewtercast previewing Bears Bucks for week number seven on this episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Out loud week number seven has my beloved Chicago Bears heading out to Tampa to take on the defending world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And after our performance against Green Bay on Sunday, I am dreading that more than I was uh, before. And joining me on this week's episode to help preview this game between the Bears and the Bucks from the Pewtercast, our good friend Ren Dax and his new co-host Steve. What's going on, guys? Hey, Larry. How are you, buddy? I'm uh, uh, glad to be here as always. Yeah. Thanks, Larry. Um, can anybody put me in touch with Aaron Rodgers? Because I definitely want to buy stock in the Bears. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know what, man? It's it's been an interesting couple of days since uh, the game. Um, I was especially pissed off uh, after at the end of it because we we had a moment that we don't usually have in those Packer games where in the fourth quarter we're down 17 to 7 we're driving we score a touchdown on a really nice run from our rookie running back Khalil Herbert we get called for a holding penalty replay shows there was no hold and mm-hmm. but it's one of those plays that in the past would have been a backbreaker like at best, we would have settled for a field goal after that and still been down seven and, and all that kind of stuff. But instead, we persevere three, four plays later, Fields throws a touchdown to, to Mooney. So it's like, okay, so this doesn't usually happen in this situation. Now we're down three. All we need is for our defense that has played well all day to get another stop to see if we can get a field goal to send this thing to overtime or make, God forbid, even a touchdown to win this thing. And the defense picked that moment to have its typical Packer game collapse where Jalen Johnson, who is our best cover corner, decides he doesn't want to uh, cover Devontae Adams anymore, lets him free for a 40-yard gain. And then a couple of plays later, Rodgers goes running in to the end zone and has his I still own you moment, which I'm hoping and praying that in eight weeks when we play him again on Sunday night football, he will dread ever ever having said that and giving the Bears the bulletin board material that we get to stare at for the next two months before we get to play him again. So if, if there is karma in the world that exists, I'm hoping that it comes back on him on that night in Lambeau in front of those 80,000 idiots. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. So, but you guys are five and one. Um, tell me, is is this a because I've I, I look at the scores and I see you beating up on the bad teams and getting by everybody else. Well, mm-hmm. so how are we feeling about five and one? Because the 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 one really quote unquote great team you played, you lost to. I mean, you can talk about the the Cowboys because uh, they're five and one as well. The only blemish is to. You guys, but how are you feeling about the season so far? Steve? 
You know, uh, I think that we've learned here in Tampa o- over the years. Ren's been down here a lot longer than I have. I've been down here since 2003. Uh, you don't you don't look five and one uh, gift five and one in the mouth. Yeah. Uh, you're you're extremely happy uh, where you are. These teams are on your schedule, and as the great Bill Russell once said, they're on our schedule. We got to play these games. We might as well win them. Yeah. And so I I look at being five and one. And where this team is, and yes, uh, they have not played Carolina. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, they have uh, beaten up on the they beat up on the Falcons pretty badly. Uh, they really had uh, last week's game against Philadelphia in hand uh, until uh, the you know the fourth quarter. Like that that was going to be forty five twenty if they keep their foot on the accelerator. Uh, I I'm I'm okay with I'm I'm certainly very happy with with being five and one and being uh, on top of the division. Uh, I look at, are there things that this team needs to fix? Absolutely. Are there big problems that this team has? There's no doubt. But I think that there are problems with just every, with every team in the NFL. And, and the question becomes, can they do enough to fix these uh, before every Sunday to keep winning? And I think sure. that there's no doubt that they can. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of right there with, you know, Carney, like, or five and one, like, what, like, like, you know, you, you lost to the good team and you barely beat the others. Okay. Five and one. Um, this offense is going to be able to keep us in any game. You mm-hmm. know, we're a good team. There's other good teams out there. Are the Bucks the best team in the league? Some weeks looks like they are. Some weeks you're like, no, not, mm-hmm. not even close. <laughs> and it's most because the defense, but I'm sure we'll get into it later. Like, you yeah. know, our top three corners are down. Our top four corners are down. Uh, actually, Jamel Dean's back. So, you know, three of our top four corners are down. Um, at one point, you know, Dean missed time, too. So I, as a fan, have just been looking at all of these games, you know, sort of like after week one where the first cornerback went down and has Sean Murphy Bunting has been back yet is, is sort of just a survive in advance. Like, it's kind of hard to to look at the Bucks second, the defense, and especially the secondary where all three corners have missed games and we're going on possible week two of the start of a, one of those two starting safeties missing two weeks in a row. So four or five guys back there have missed games. Most of them have missed multiple games. Some of them have missed all like all all games except for like two quarters. So mm-hmm. right now it's survive in advance and, you know, just 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 keep rolling and hopefully get all these guys back. Then we can start sort of being worried if, you know, if the defense is giving up too much yardage or too many points or all that kind of stuff. But offensively, uh, you know, it, it's uh, the Bucks are just rolling along. Right. And the, the reason that I asked is because a week ago I was asking my, my Packers guest, you know, they come in four and one, but this is not the most impressive four and one team. The Packers have brought to soldier field. 
before. Right. Usually there was some weight behind the record, but they were a defensive stop in San Francisco, and uh, the, the that kid in Cincinnati making a field goal in overtime from coming into Soldier Field at two and three instead of four and one. You know, needing to beat us to be five hundred instead of adding another victory to their. Uh, win total you know it's it's a completely different situation that we're looking at going into that game if those two things don't go their way they could legitimately be two and three at this point instead of four and one and being on top of the division and uh, and so that's why I was kind of checking checking the temperature uh, on it because I see you know the the close win in New England which I think even you guys probably thought was going to be close because Belichick, 20 years with Brady, he probably knows how to slow that guy down uh, a little bit, not to mention that Belichick is a genius and can figure these things out. Anyway, I think the important thing was just getting the win uh, in New England. But, you know, you have the loss in, in Los Angeles and then, the you know, it's taking the, like as you said, taking the foot off the gas against the, the Eagles on the Thursday night game. Just wondering, you know, if if five and one felt as good as it looked, or if it was just like, well, there's some things that uh, you know, maybe we could be four and two right now, or you know, that kind of thing. No, oh, no, it feels fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as a Bucks fan, like we've been five and one like twice in right. forty plus years, so yeah, it it doesn't matter, you know. Like I'll like like the Washington. What was it when Gus Farratt was the quarterback with the Red? Oh, excuse me, the Washington football team. Sure, and they were like eight and zero. You know, and never was telling that they were frauds, and they ended up being frauds. But you know, as a Washington football fan, I'll take eight now. Like we don't, we don't have that luxury or sort of that cachet or that callousness of of you know we don't expect to make the playoffs every year, right? You know, you know. So when a team you know is like, I don't know, say say like five and four, you know, like we're still really happy with five and four because. <laughs> The season's not over yet. I can't tell you how many seasons are over, you know, by the start of November. Like this next week, the season would be over. Like, we'll, yeah. you know, we'd be one and six or two and or two. Like and, the entire Greg Schiano regime. Yeah. yeah. And before that, <laughs> I even Bennett. forgot that that was a thing. Oh, my God, Greg Schiano. Yeah. You guys took a chance on him. That was uh, that was a thing, wasn't it? Yeah. I think Shiano's a really good coach. I do, I too, actually. Turd of a, I think he's a turd of a person and no one likes him. Right. And so right. that makes it hard to be in a position of leadership when, when no one around you likes you. <laughs> let's put it this way. When when you're making Kellen Winslow the second seem like a sympathetic creature, you know you know you're in rough shape. Yeah. That's probably a probably a good indicator. Uh right there. So um so I mean let let's talk about this this offense that that I'm dreading facing, even though the defense is the better of the two units uh that we have on, on our squad. Um, watching them, you know, rack up the points. I mean, aside from the New England game, 28 is the least amount of points you've scored uh, in a football game, uh, in a winning, and, you, and even in a losing effort, you score 24. So, yeah, the offense is going to get uh, its points, and, and that's worrisome for me because my offense doesn't. We are currently last in the NFL in points per game, and are, we're at near the, near the bottom. We're the worst passing team uh, in football, despite having like the ninth best rushing attack uh, in the league, which is usually the other way around. Like we throw better than we run. Well, we figured out how to run the ball uh, this year, but uh, even with the dynamic Justin Fields at, at quarterback, we're not really trying very much to throw the ball down the field. It's like, what ha- it, is it because they've been together this offseason as opposed to learning on the fly a year ago that they kind of hit the ground running offensively this year? 
I'll, I'll start on this one. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. A little bit of continuity, you know. After the Super Bowl, of course, as Buck fans, we consumed almost everything that came out, uh, you know, on all the networks or from the Buccaneers itself, and this and that, and all the press conferences, and trying to find Bruce Arians talk everywhere. Uh, one point during the offseason, he said, you know, like Tom, like even at seven and five in the bye week, uh, Bucks came out and didn't lose a game after that. Um, like Tom Brady still didn't like know the plays, you know, he was yeah. still like had to look at the, at the wristband and not because he wanted to get the call right is because he had to, you know, switch all those. He was still switching all the New England language to the Buck language in his head. And, you know, Antonio Brown had only been there like two weeks. Uh, Gronk, um, you know, was not in Gronk shape at, by the time he was at the end of the year. You know, it's, it's all those things. It's, but the easiest thing to point out because i think the bucks scored over 30 points every game after the bye week so they were like eight in a row um scored 30 in dallas it was like nine ten in a row where they where they'd scored 30 plus points and it's just continuity getting guys on the same page leonard fournette going from you know being cut to being you know a really big piece of the offense is not yeah that's a big part of it but it all comes down you know to the roster that the GM Jason Light built, and it's just Tom Brady, you know, is his, his, it's not his football IQ and it's not, you know, his leadership and it's not his, you know, arm and, and, you know, experience, it's all experience. It's all that, but situational football, I think he understands sort of more than, than almost any quarterback out there. Like he, he is never, ever going to put the team in a bad spot because he made a poor decision on the field. Like mm. interception. Okay. Yes. But I mean, you know, like he's not going to go somewhere with the ball. He's not supposed to, if that ends up hurting the team, it's just when you watch it game after game, after game, you kind of understand it. It's like, he just does, he doesn't make a bad decision out there. And, and yeah. that's really what's, you know, keeps drives alive, keeps the team's head of the chain and, and being able to even overcome mistakes or penalties like that. It's, it's his, it's his sort of football acumen, if you will. <laughs> well, I mean, and I seeing, you know, film over the years, NFL films and stuff, whenever uh, Belichick is allowed uh, films and practice and stuff, you over and over hear him emphasizing situational football and, and this situation or that one and, uh, and so on and so forth. So that's been pounded in his head for the first two decades uh, of his career, and he's just doing it all over again in Tampa Bay because he know that knows that's what works, you know. And mm-hmm. I and I've all, I also think the guy's a great leader um, in, in the things that I've seen, the way he talks to his teammates on the sidelines and uh, and stuff like that. And his track record speaks for itself. As much as I've wanted to over the years deny that Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I can't argue against it because the guy's got a resume that's going to be unmatched probably till long after we're off this planet. So it's just the the success that that guy's had and how often he's been to the Super Bowl is unprecedented. And I just, uh, you know, so the fact that he came to Tampa Bay and kind of hit the ground running as far as he's right back where he was when he was with New England didn't really come as too great of a, a surprise. It was just more about like, yeah, well, he did it again, I guess, as opposed to just being surprised about it. It's like, yeah, that checks because the guy just wins, and that's all he's done since he took over in New England. Yeah, and it certainly doesn't it doesn't hurt Brady that, you know, when he left New England, you saw, you know, the sort of weapons that he had 
yeah. with the Patriots as opposed to what he's got with with the Buccaneers with you know Mike Evans his seven straight 1000 yard seasons and Chris Godwin has made the pro bowl and they bring Gronk in uh to go along with the first round pick in in OJ Howard and a guy in Cameron Bright who has you know been a really good re- uh receiving tight end here and, and a guy that has been the uh the you know the relief valve for a number of quarterbacks not just uh not just Tom but uh in, you know all of these weapons that he has on offense certainly makes a 44 year old quarterback a lot more at ease that he knows that he's going to have somebody at least that he's going to be able to throw to at some point. Yeah. And we got to figure out what Giselle's putting in the water uh, as well. Cause I know that there's the TB 12 program uh, or mm-hmm. whatever, but uh, you know, the fact that he's, he's in his mid forties and he's still playing, He's not playing like he's in his mid-40s. He might feel like it after a Sunday, but he doesn't play like he's in his uh, mid-40s uh, or anything like that. I need to figure out what uh, what fountain of youth she is pumping into him that is uh, still legal and not getting busted by the NFL uh, where he can keep going on like this, where him playing until 50 looks like a legitimate thing uh, right now. Yeah, so. I think he said recently that he he thinks he could play as long as he wants to play. Yeah. Like, he truly believes, like, if I want to play to 50, I can play to 50. I want to play to 53, I think I can play to 53. Like, And, you know, it's – I haven't looked a lot into it, but it's, it's sleep, hydration, probiotics, and pliability are mm-hmm. sort of the pillars that that, that that thing's built on, the TB12 method is built on. Um, so start there, everybody. <laughs> take heed kids so let's talk about that that rams game that's the one loss on the on the schedule so far um and so what was it that the rams did what uh what code did they crack that uh nobody before or after uh was able to do oh the defense didn't just show up i mean if you look go and look at that at that game um you know the rams did a little the way teams and you saw it, you know, in week one with Dallas on, you know, opening game, I guess, for the NFL season was Dallas got the ball on the edges quickly. Now that was pioneered by the Rams last year in a primetime game in Tampa. Uh, I think the Rams ran the ball six times total that game, ended up winning. Um, then Dallas trying to copycat that ended up losing, but still put up, you know, plus 30 against the Buccaneers. And we're, we're winning late, very, very late in the game. Um, so we thought the Rams were going to do that, but then they started with uh, attacking the middle of the field a little bit with crosses and things like that, and the defense just had no answer for them. But when both teams sort of started to settle in, because it was kind of like three and outs, one first down punt, kind of like the first three or four possessions for each team there for a while, uh, excluding the when the Bucks had the ball and they ran out of time because of halftime, excluding that, the team scored seven of the next eight times they touched the ball Mm. and seven. No, I apologize. They scored the teams combined scored eight times in a row and seven of those were touchdowns. So it was just, it was just, you know, like the Bucks scored a touchdown, Rams scored a touchdown, Bucks scored a touchdown, Rams scored a touchdown, Bucks kicked a field goal, Rams scored a touchdown, Bucks three and out, Rams scored a touchdown. You look up, it's halfway through the fourth quarter and now you're down by 10 because you had a one time you didn't <laughs> score you didn't and the other time you scored, you only got three instead of seven. So right. that's the kind of game it was, you know, um, 
it was like Rocky a, a little bit. You know, there was no defense played on either side. They, no. the, the two guys just stood in the middle of the ring, Rocky and Apollo Creed, and they just slugged each other in the face as hard as they could. Yeah. So. You know, that's a thought that I have when I watch those movies. Like, if, if real boxing was like this, they could never sell enough seats. There would never be enough pay-per-view buys if these two guys stood in the middle of the ring and hit each other with every punch. It would be, I wouldn't miss a fight. I wouldn't miss one. If they just stand there and make contact after another and keep coming after one another, you wouldn't miss a fight. You wouldn't miss yeah. one. Instead, you get, you know, Fury and Wilder hugging and leaning on each other for a few rounds and somebody occasionally. Or Floyd Mayweather running away. Yeah. You know, somebody throws a punch every once in a while that might land. And when they do, they're so surprised they get hit, they go down. So it's like, you know, <laughs> big deal. So, um, so, so the Rams just, uh, the Rams mixed it up and then it just kind of became, um, a Madden game. Like who had the ball last was going to win type thing. No. Cause about the time, about the time, you know, where, you know, somewhere around the 10 minute mark to eight minute mark as a fan, you start to look at the game of the fourth quarter and you start counting possessions and start going, okay, this is what has to happen. And, and, and right around there, I think I said to myself, okay, the Bucks need to stop. And they didn't, and it put the Rams up by double digits. Mm. Uh, it might have been like like fifteen or something, where it was going to be like, oh god, it's got to be two touchdowns, and you know, and somewhere we got to get a two point conversion. And the Bucks came out next time and didn't score and had to punt. Now there's still eight minutes left in the game, but okay, the defense has to stop the Rams, which they haven't done since you know five minutes in the first quarter, and then we have to score three times in a row or something, you know, without the Rams getting anything and. It you know it just it, it didn't happen. It was just one of those things where it's like, like yeah, like no one's stopping anybody. Basically, the Bucks the Bucks offense blinked first. It was like a race okay. to forty, and the Rams won. Right, right. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, so in the so with the defense, because um, that was the that was basically what won you the Super Bowl, um, especially in in the Super Bowl itself was the defense. Uh, even though it was Brady that brought home the MVP uh, trophy, if like if you could give the MVP trophy to an entire unit of the team, the defense holding Mahomes and company to to nine points and having him run for his life for ninety percent uh, of the game would be far more valuable than what Brady did on the offensive side uh, of the field that night. But now it's not quite living up to that so far this year. Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do uh, on the past side has to do with injury. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at it and Ren mentioned it. You've got, you know, we've spent time with your three top cornerbacks out. And right now you've got three of your top four, including a guy that you had to sign off the street in Richard Sherman. Right. Uh, who got you know, two days of pr or three days of practice before the New England game uh, in order to get ready. But then, uh, you know, ended up getting hurt in the in the Philadelphia game so he's down Carlton uh, Carlton Davis is down Sean Murphy Bunting uh has the dislocated elbow and you know who knows if we're going to see you know when we're going to see him next so you you've got you've got guys like D Delaney and Pierre Desir that are having to play on the opposite end uh, of Jamel Dean and then on top of that you know Antoine Winfield who has been you know was fantastic in the in the Super Bowl and the second half of the last season 
uh, is still in concussion protocol. And Bruce Arians has said he's not sure, you know, if he's going to be ready to go here for uh, for this game either. So uh, if he doesn't clear concussion protocol, you know, obviously he's not going to play either. And so now you've got you've got backups uh, on top of backups everywhere in the defensive secondary. And that, of course, uh, will allow teams to want to throw the football. Obviously, the 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 run defense has still been fantastic uh, for the Bucks, but teams have learned that you know if you have to be one dimensional against the Bucks, it's not a bad thing because they've got backups everywhere in the secondary. Well, I thought that might have been a strategy that could have worked for us last week because the Packers were in a very similar situation with their yeah. secondary, and we scored fourteen points. So. I'm, uh, I can't lean on that as a positive for us going forward because we had it. We had the exact same thing last week, and it didn't work uh, for us. So uh, as much as I would like for that to bring me joy and give me some optimism that we might actually be able to crack 20 uh, against you guys, uh, I just watched it not work uh, against a team not as good as you guys. So um, uh, forgive me if my pessimism won't allow me to be uh, they're like, oh, well, they, well, there, there's something, you know, because we had that this week, and and uh, we were at home at the same time, and it also did not uh, work for us. So, mm. but everything is good with the pass rush. Well, you know, everything's it has improved a lot, uh, mm-hmm. probably since like week three. Um, you know, Dallas put up a lot of points, the Rams put up a lot of points, Atlanta even put up a lot of points. It was like twenty two, twenty five at one point. Um, but you know, we had the Philly game on Thursday night where the, you know, the game was completely in hand, 14 points. And then, you know, another, you know, I don't know, it was a pass interference or just, you know, some other play that Philly finally got the ball on our side of the field and punched it in and went for two. And all of a sudden, Oh geez, this is a game. Uh, and then Tom Brady took the ball, you know, like blew off eight minutes in the last, in the fourth quarter and we're downing inside the five yard line three times. So, but before that, you know, the past two games, the Bucks only let up 17 points, you know, and as fans, you kind of like, oh, my God, like, why is that guy open? Or, you know, like, why is, you know, Sam Darnold throwing 324 yards against us? We're terrible. But you look up at the end of the day, you're only giving up 17 points and you should win like all those games. Like yeah. if your defense only gives up 17 points as an NFL team, you should win all those games. So that's what the defense been doing sort in the latter half and it is true they've been playing not the you know the better teams but like steve said like they're on your schedule might as well win mm-hmm. um but to the pass rush start out slow sort of answer your question there uh the pass rush started out slow um <clears throat> and i think they were tied for the league low after two games and since then you know from two games on they're tied for the league lead in sacks uh uh shaq barrett was all over the place thursday night um, yeah, we're very Chase happy. Mount Jalen Hurts. That was yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, you know, Sue's still there. Vita's still there. Vita Vea recorded, I think he's got a sack and a half now. That might match his his, his, his career total. Um, as far as he had, like, his first few years in the league, uh, the head coach, B.A., came out and sort of, you know, didn't really throw him under the bus at the media, but told me, he was like, hey, like, yes, Vita Vea can pick anybody up and throw him around and toss him around. Now we need him to start getting some sacks. And uh, so he's responded with a sack and a half in the past couple of games. Um, and then our rookie that we drafted, uh, 32nd, Joe Tryon Sharinka. Um, he was a huge surprise. What he came to camp with is sort of his toolkit 
for pass rush moves was not it was, was much deeper than anything he showed at Washington. And uh, he's playing sparingly, but uh, but he's explosive, he's fast, and he's already got a, a really nice array of moves um, very early on in his NFL career. So, yeah, the pass rush is there. Okay. So um, in on our side of things, um, you guys might be able to rest easy this weekend um, because uh, Robert Quinn is now in COVID right. protocols. And Robert Quinn is on track to be comeback player of the year uh, with five and a half sacks, which is almost triple the amount of sacks he had in 15 starts last year. So he's averaging like a sack a game for the first five, six games uh, of the season, including one against Green Bay on, on, on Sunday. And he's been a revelation, probably the best player we have on defense right now. And it's the defense, by the way, that's got Khalil Mack in it. So, Um, the fact that he might miss the game on Sunday and he'll be back to the same old Bears defense where as long as you isolate Khalil Mack, you're in pretty good shape to do pretty much whatever you want uh, on that side of the ball. But uh, So it has me worried about what we're going to be able to do on the defensive side with the secondary being the liability that it's been and missing our other key pass rusher on the other side, which has become a pick-your-poison kind of thing. Because you you you're, you can't double them both because then you'll leave the middle open for animals like uh, you know Bilal Nichols and Eddie Goldman and uh, we still don't know what's going on with Akeem Hicks and the re-injured groin uh, and everything. Um, but it's just uh, it definitely limits our our options even with the even with whatever Sean decides been able to do with this uh, with mixing things up uh, as our new defensive uh, coordinator. But taking Robert Quinn out leaves a big hole uh, on our, on our defensive side. So. Um, I, I wonder how effective we'll be if Quinn doesn't play uh, on Sunday. I'm far more worried about that than I am about any other thing that we have going on with the defense I, right now. I'm I'm kind of curious, Larry, about the middle of the uh, of the of the line, uh, or I should say the you know in the in the middle of the of the defense, you know the inside uh, linebackers and, and the and the safeties. Because I'm assuming that you know Brady's going to want to try and get. He did this uh, against Philadelphia last week. Uh, getting O.J. Howard uh, involved early and getting Cameron Brayton involved late uh, against the middle uh, of the defense. So like, I know you have uh, Ogletree and Roquan Smith and Trevathan is there. Um, you know, uh, give, give me give me a give me a thought on on the middle of that. What do you see from them? Well, um, the thing that worries me is is always going to be the passing game. We're vulnerable uh, in the middle. I mean, if you saw what happened to us against the Rams on Sunday night football. I know that those most those land mostly on the on our nickel on our nickel guy and, and the safeties uh in this one, but there are also some plays uh in that game where the the tight end is catching the ball on a crossing route and who's running behind him but Roquan or Ogletree because that was the guy that they were supposed to be uh covering. Um they're not that big of a liability in in pass coverage, but when they get beat, they get beat bad. And uh, you guys have some decent horses as far as pass catchers at the tight end uh, position, so that's something that you could probably hurt us pretty pretty good with uh, in the game on Sunday. So, um, yeah, it, it's uh, and then I don't know what happened to Eddie Jackson. I was just kind of talking to myself about it earlier today. With uh, you know, I was like, it, we, he hasn't been Eddie Jackson since Fangio left, which also coincided with 
when we lost Adrian Amos in free agency. So the, the choices about Eddie Jackson right now are he was never that good because um, after he lost Fangio and uh, he was never that good and Fangio and Amos were, uh, you know, were covering it or putting him in the best position to be Eddie Jackson uh, or he, he can't succeed without them now that they're gone. They've been gone since 2019 and he was the star of the defense, five, six interceptions in 2018, three or four of the year before that, this guy was on a you know a trajectory to be a you know perennial All Pro and Hall of Fame uh, player, and since 2019 he has a total of two interceptions, maybe three, and starting and zero last year in 2020. So maybe he got one or two in 2019. It hasn't done a thing since then. And oh yeah, we extended him for four years and 66 million since Fangio left. So we're stuck with him that's for gotta, a while. That's got to feel good. Yeah, feels great. Feels great for the guy to deserve the contract extension and then do nothing to earn it since then. So it's been awesome. And, uh, you know, he's he's subjected himself to throwing barbs back at uh, guys that are criticizing him because Lance Briggs kind of gave it to him on the postgame show uh, this weekend because the, the throw to Devontae Adams that ended up being a huge 40-yard gain could have mm-hmm. been a 60-plus-yard touchdown if because Eddie Jackson was the last line of defense between Adams and the end zone. And instead of wrapping him up and taking him down, he tried to put in one of those highlight reels where he knocks him down. And it just kind of pushed Devante off to the side just enough that his right pinky toe was out of bounds. Otherwise, oh. like the play ran like he went in and for a touchdown, they had to go back on replay and take it back to the 22 yard line yeah i saw that so it but it was like eddie jackson missed on that play uh in the cleveland game uh against the browns he was the last line of defense between him uh and kareem hunt uh that which was the backbreaker of of the time it was 13 to 6 going into the fourth quarter three plays into the fourth quarter eddie jackson comes in like a bat out of hell with his head down and all kareem hunt had to do was take one step to the inside Olay eddie jackson into a pile (laughs) of people on the sidelines and run in untouched for a 29 yard touchdown so it's like he's been doing that more often than not for the last couple of seasons now this episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by the spotify green room guys spotify green room is free audio only social media platform for sports fans start or join ongoing conversations watch games together react to the biggest news rumors and games talk with other sports fans insiders athletes and executives in real time join in on conversations with me at club 34 7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast i'll be hosting rooms every week uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk bears, let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by Symbol. Symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. 
Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD as in sports drink to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then he, and then he gets uh, all worked up about people criticizing. You know, that sounds like someone that we used to have here in Tampa. Isn't that right, Ren? You guy, guy used to tell everybody to check their sheet. Oh, I thought you were talking about Gerald McCoy. No, no, no. Well, no, I wasn't talking about Gerald McCoy. Uh, although Gerald, Ma- Gerald McCoy could be could be just as uh, as grumpy uh, at at times. Sensitive. But no, yes, like very sensitive. sensitive. Very very sensitive. Uh, but no, I was talking about someone else that they used to tell people in press conferences. That yeah, they I don't to talk check about that guy anymore. I could yeah. give two shits. <laughs> He's, he's now he's now playing quarterback in New Orleans. Yes, thank you. Really? I know. Okay. Oh yeah, you used to, you used to talk about how great he was and how you know nothing was his fault and used to be like like what about this? He's like you better check your sheet. Oh, like those are those like, are guys that you love talking to. Those guys, they're so much uh, fun. Yeah, yeah. To tell me I'm wrong all the time, even though I have all the facts right here in front of me. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's. Well, since you're sort of talking about Chicago, uh, let's sort of flip the script here on, on this pod right now sure. and uh, ask you a few questions. Uh, Andy Dalton's out. Justin Fields had to wait a few weeks. Here he is. He's had a few games under his belt. He's won some games. Mm-hmm. Um, so where are you with him? Because an outsider looking in, uh, sort of like the explosiveness from the runs, his legs, he, mm-hmm. it just seems not to be happening. Yeah. And uh, I think he, I feel like, I personally feel that he's a little more inaccurate than I expected, uh, you know, watching what he did in college. But then it's it Ohio State, and, you know, they've got 37 yards of separation every time he throws the ball. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, where, where are, are you and Bears fans on Justin Fields extremely early in his career? Well, I think we're, we're, we're happy with him right now. Um, what you just described was basically like if, if the Green Bay game, if you watch that, if that's all you have to go on, then, yeah, that's pretty accurate with what he put on the field this past Sunday. He was off target on some throws. Uh, I feel like he was uh, – it was something that I talked about on, on, my, on my review episode was that I feel like maybe he saw something in film study during the week uh, like other quarterbacks having – uh, like the secondary or the second level, leaving the middle of the field open because he felt much more apt to to take the ball in and take it off running with it than he did waiting for the receivers to get open because the Packers were coming after him, but they weren't so overwhelming that he you know he had to run. I, I think it was more of an uh, you know an instinct or something that he was trying to to act on because I felt like he was running sooner than he needed to uh, in a okay. lot of situations in this game against the Packers. So I, I just assume that it has to be something that he saw on film, that he's trying to take advantage of something that they that he saw, that they talked about. Like, you know, they're telling him, if you see this and you have a lane to run, then go ahead and run. And he just wasn't able to turn that into much uh, on Sunday. But in the other previous games, the throws that he's making, it, it's like a revelation to us as Bear fans because we're coming off of – Mitch, who couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, you know, I mean, our yeah. guy could be wide open. We, we talk about how many plays did we leave on the field? How many points 
did we leave on the field because he missed this guy that was wide open. He, uh, you know, Anthony Miller was wide open for a touchdown. He threw it five yards uh, over his head, or there was this key third down and he launched it over the guy's head as opposed to where Justin Fields put it where only Allen Robinson could catch it. There was a third and 12 throw that he made against the Raiders where there were two defenders closing in on Darnell Mooney. He puts it where only Mooney can catch it, and we got 13 yards on third and 12 that pretty much iced the game uh, for the Bears. So, I mean, it was it, th- those are the things that we're seeing from him, the flashes that shows that, uh, you know, he's still learning. He still gives us those rookie moments. He's not an interception machine, thank God. But, mm. you know, he does have his rookie moments where he misses this or he missed the read and, you know, he ran when he should have thrown. He threw it. He holds on to the ball a little too long. I think that's uh, that is some of that uh, Ohio State, um, um, what should I say, freedom that he had because he could sit, will never yeah collapse. he will sit back there for 12 <laughs> seconds and he can wait for Olave to you know to get 48 yards of separation and be wide open down the middle of the field and things like that you can't do that in the NFL so is is, is, is Ryan is Ryan Pace now out of the doghouse because every time I talk to somebody from <laughs> Chicago when it was you know Cutler and the and the soul crushing interceptions and, and trading all that all that capital to move up to take Trubisky. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard so many people say that, you know, Ryan Pace should be, you know, tarred, feathered and run out of town on a rail, uh, which is perfect in Chicago, yeah. the rail capital of the, of the world. Um, but, uh, you know, it, what, what is, what's the, the fan base's feelings uh, on Ryan Pace right now in the front office? It's mixed at best, mixed at best. And uh, the more general opinion is that, he should be out the door with Nagy. Uh, most Bear fans didn't want him to come back this year. They wanted him. We wanted them both gone, which is why the that disaster of a press conference, if you know anything about it, that they had to sum up the year. Um, they summed it up by saying first that everybody was staying put from Ted Phillips to Nagy to Ryan Pace. So everybody that contributed to a disaster of a season that we had that had a six-game middle uh, winning. I mean, you you guys were talking earlier about not looking five and one in the mouth. Well, we were pretty much trying to do that last year. We were five and one at the end of six games uh, last year, and then we didn't win a game for two months uh, after that because we lost six straight, and then we had a bye week there uh, in the middle uh, as well. So we went two calendar months before we won a football game, and we went on a three game winning streak against the Vikings, the Texans, and the Jaguars, and that was good enough to get us into the playoffs where we got our asses handed to us by the New Orleans Saints. So. You know, the last thing that we wanted to hear was that they were coming back again and that Ryan Pace was going to get a third shot at a quarterback because he had Jay Cutler uh, traded for Trubisky, you know, signed Mike Glennon, uh, traded for for Nick Foles last year. Uh, You know, this was going to be number three. And the other thing was we were because we made the playoffs, we were drafting at 20. So in order to get anybody worth having, we were going to have to trade up with draft assets we didn't have, or we were going to get, we were going to just trade away our future to get our, to get a chance with somebody. And where the mixed feelings come in is that we made our trade on draft day to go from 20 to 11 with the giants. And he somehow made Dave Gettleman happy with one first round pick and a fourth rounder next year. It's like, that's when the elation over getting Jordan or Justin Fields yeah. began was that we that was got our two. quarterback of the future and it didn't cost us our future in order to do it. It was like genius 
by Ryan Pace because not only do we only give up one first-round pick, we still have our second and third-round picks tomorrow to be able to use to build this roster up. Uh, and he used that to trade up for Tevin Jenkins, who hasn't played it down because he had back surgery in training camp. So there's your mixture. Jordan, uh, I want to call him Jordan all of a sudden. Justin Fields is, you know, is our starting quarterback. And he looks like there's just something extremely different about this kid. And just the vibe that he has, the things that he's doing on the field, we haven't seen in Chicago before. But then your second round pick who's supposed to be our future left tackle cornerstone of the offensive line who had back problems in college, suffered a back injury in training camp and probably won't play this year. So Mm -hmm. there's your mixed bag there. And also throughout his tenure as our general manager, um, Roquan Smith and maybe Justin Fields as, you know, as, as time will tell are his success stories at first round picks, but otherwise you have Kevin White, you have Leonard Floyd, oh, yeah. uh, you have, uh, you know, Trubisky, and then no first-round pick in 2019 or 2020 because that was the Khalil Mack trade. All mm-hmm. of his success stories have come in the later rounds. Jordan Howard, fifth-round pick. Uh, Tariq Cohen, fourth-round pick. Eddie Jackson, fourth-round pick. Bilal Nichols, fifth-round pick. Travis Gibson, who will probably be playing in Robert Quinn's spot if he's not healthy enough to go. Fifth-round pick a year ago. So if it's day three and Ryan Pace is picking, pretty good chance you're going to get a player out of that out of that deal. Khalil Herbert, who's going to be our starting running back on Sunday, sixth round pick this year. But first, second, third round, it is an absolute crapshoot as far as uh, Ryan Ryan Pace making the picks. So, and his free agency things, it's he's the guy that brought in Akeem Hicks. He's also the guy who uh, <laughs> who signed, uh, you know, who signed Robert Quinn. Uh, and, and then he got two sacks last year until Robert Quinn turned that around. That looked like we gave this guy $70 million and he got his two sacks in 15 starts, uh, last year. So he's, he's missed just as much as he's made, which I guess is the story for most, uh, general managers. But, um, you know, it's, it's likely that they'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. If they throw out Nagy, he goes with him too. Well, let's go ahead and finish up the offense, and then you know uh, we'll jump back to act, treating it like it's actually your show. Uh, <laughs> coming up on Sunday, uh, like you got Anthony Miller, and that's about it. Like you talk about this running back, you got I don't know, I don't know who he is. I don't know how your offensive line is doing. If it's banged up, if you know you're you're really happy with the offensive line, I really don't know who the other receivers are. Yeah, like you know, like who am I gonna? As a Bucks fan, I sit down and watch this game. By the time the game's over, who am I going to know off the Chicago offense by you know by the fourth? Well, Anthony Miller's not on the team anymore. Oh, there's well, there a, you go. I'm there's sorry. another <laughs> there's another second round failure uh, by Ryan Pace. Uh, I believe you were talking about Allen Robinson. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, that's Alan that's our guy uh, who's I'm been a virtual non factor so far this year, which is always oh, great good. when you're paying the guy seventeen point eight million on the franchise tag. Um, you know, uh, Darnell Mooney is probably a name you'll be more familiar with by the end of the game uh, on Sunday. He is our, he is also another Ryan Pace day three success story, a fifth round pick from last year that became our number two receiver almost immediately, which says a lot of great things about Darnell Mooney and a lot of bad things about the rest of our wide receiving core that this fifth round pick that weighs 160 pounds soaking wet um, 
can emerge as the second best receiver in training camp uh, against guys who've been in the system three and four years, uh, like Anthony Miller, who's no longer on the team, like Javon Wims, who's no longer on the what? team, okay, and I'm things sorry like to interrupt that. You. What the hell happened with Anthony? He's a kid from Memphis, right? Uh, I believe it was Memphis. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that guy was. What, what happened to him? I don't know, man. I really, I don't know if it was just the pressure uh, getting to him because he he was had he his, just not good. No, that's the thing is that he would he was I called him over and over again last year. He's the most schizophrenic guy we have on the team, the most okay. schizophrenic guy, because he can make like week one uh, last year against Detroit. He makes a dime of a touchdown catch uh, to, to win the game against Detroit. Then the following week, week two, he drops a key third down that would have extended a drive in a close game and then drops a touchdown pass that went right through his hands in the end zone. Then he comes back week three against Atlanta. He makes the game-winning touchdown grab. And then you don't hear from him for weeks at a time. He's on the field. You see him out there, but he's not doing anything. No catches. He's not getting open, that kind of thing. And then, oh, Anthony Miller had five catches for 60 yards today. How about that? He did something. You know, you could go on Twitter during a Bears game and, and see tweets like, Anthony Miller sighting everyone. There he is. You know, he's still on the team. <laughs> you know, and things like that. So, that's what happened with Anthony Miller. It was just uh, he was going into the last year of his rookie deal, and the Bears were just sick of him. I mean, this is also the idiot who decided to uh, throw a punch at uh, what's his name from uh, Gardner Johnson at uh, no. the Cincinnati. But uh, who doesn't want to punch that guy? Well, I mean, it happened. <laughs> what the thing about it, though, man, is that it happened during the regular season. It was yeah. Javon Wims who decided he wanted to throw a punch in the middle of the field in front of everybody. It's not like he tried to sneak him when they're under the pile and he's punching him in the face mask. He openly, like he, number one, he ripped the mouthpiece off his face mask and then that's punched what Gardner him. Gardner Phillips does. Yeah. He was that was his thing last year. He was freaking yanking people's mouthpieces out of their mouths and throwing them on the ground. Yeah, so he does that, and so th- they had that, and then you go into the in the wild card game and they were emphasizing, do not let twenty two get in your head. You saw what happened to Javon Wims. He was suspended for two games for what he did. Lucky to still be on the team. And then Anthony Miller does the exact same thing to the exact same guy, gets ejected in a playoff game. So he was done after that. He was done (laughs) after that. But to to get back to your question, uh, you know, we have Darnell Mooney. He's probably the best receiver that we have on the team right now, despite everyone telling you it's Allen Robinson. It's not. I am so low on Allen Robinson, it's not even funny. Um, Cole Komet, we have a, a, is our second-year tight end. Kind of really made his first appearance last week against the Packers. Four catches, 49 yards, his best performance of the year so far. But he was a slow starter last year. They're kind of working him back into it. Now that Nagy's not calling the plays anymore, we might actually start using our tight ends uh, in the offense. And then, uh, you know, we have Jimmy Graham, believe it or not. He's still on the team. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, and then in the running game, I don't know if we're getting Damian Williams back uh, this week. He was on COVID. That's why he missed the Green Bay game. But Khalil right. Herbert, that's the six-round pick I was talking about. 19 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown against the Packers uh, last week in his first start. Uh, 60-something yards on, on like 14 carries against the, the Raiders the week before. Splitting carries uh, with Williams. He's getting it done. Uh, and our offensive line, I praise them for being as good as they've been uh, in the running game. We've got a 95-year-old Jason Peters playing left tackle for us. Oh, that's right. Um, 
Our right tackle is now Elijah Wilkerson, who we signed in free agency to be a backup uh, from the Broncos because Jermaine Afidi went down against the Raiders. He's on IR for the next few weeks with a knee injury. And then our interior is intact, but it's um, it's there are liabilities at center. Sam Mustafer. I don't know if it's because he's not big enough, he's not strong enough, he's not using the proper technique. He gets beat up a lot, which is why I'm not okay. looking forward to him going up oh, against Vita this week. Vita Vea is going to swallow that guy whole. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, that's what that was worries about me is that matchup there. But Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, our guards, that's the strength of the offensive line right there. But it's like they've, they've got, as far as pass coverage, the liabilities are on the outside. As far as the running game, the liabilities on the inside because uh, he's letting people through uh, that can uh, get after our running backs in the middle. Uh, in the back How are you running the ball then? Are you because the way I, you know, when I look at the NFL nowadays, like like the sweep and the toss pitch, all that stuff is out the window. The right. linebackers are just too fast. Well, what's, so you have to run everything being the tackles, but yeah. you got a center who's getting eaten. Like, so how's that? How's that working out? Well, what like I saw a lot of on Sunday against the Packers was those running plays where it looks like it's supposed to, like the the play was probably designed to run to the right side, probably between the guard and the tackle somewhere in that area, you find your 18 inches of, you know, daylight, you run through it. But what I saw a lot of Khalil Herbert doing was using his field vision, which he seems to have an excellent, that's an excellent asset that he has was Jason Peters using all 600 pounds of his body to cave down the defensive line. And then Khalil Herbert would just cut to the left and follow right behind Jason Peters. And there's six yards easy right there. Kind of thing, and then on the occasion where maybe it's uh, where, where uh, you know Daniels or, or Whitehair can cave down the nose tackle, there's your hole right there to be able to run through. But you got to get help from Mustafer to do that, and sometimes he just doesn't get the job done. So, gotcha. so, okay. so, so you mentioned that you know the Bears' offense is last in passing this year, thirty-two. Uh, yep. But you, you know, you talked about how. You know, uh, you know, Herbert's had, you know, had some success in the running game. Yeah, you know, how can how is the how is that offensive line so schizophrenic? It's a great question. I mean, I I don't understand how it can be so good at one thing and then so bad uh, at the other. But I mean, it's it was an inconsistent unit for us last year uh, as well, and something that would drive you crazy if you sat and tried to think about it, because they would have games where like oh. Here comes the Vikings, which has, uh, you know, Daniel Hunter and, and, you know, the other guy on the other side. And we wall them off. We are the Great Wall of China. The Trubisky didn't get touched all day. And then we'll go up against this other team that has pass rushers that nobody's ever heard of before, since, or after, uh, and everything. Five sacks. They, they, they're all of a sudden a, a swinging gate of, a, of an offensive line that, you know, that gets murdered. We can run the ball for 180 yards against the team this week. And then we've got 35 yards on 28 carries the week after that. It's just, it, it was one of those things where this year we are way more consistent with our production in the running game. And as far as the passing game this year, I don't know if it's a volume thing. Like we're just sticking with the run because that's what's working, which is odd for an Matt Nagy led football team. Cause he's mm-hmm. basically, he's allergic to running the ball. It's just not something he wants to do, but with Bill Lazor calling the play since Nagy surrendered uh, play calling after the Cleveland uh, disaster, um, we focus more, more on the running game. And if it's working laser sticks with it. Um, Cause I think in his four games as a starter uh, fields has thrown the ball 20 times more than 20 times once or twice, maybe. Yeah. 
So it's with the passing game, it's it's a volume thing. He threw for 209 yards against the Lions in his uh, second start, um, and that's the most he's thrown for so far. So, and the only reason he threw for as much as he did this past week against the Packers is because we were down two scores and we had to throw the ball. Because going into the fourth quarter, Khalil Herbert had more rushing yards than Justin Fields had passing yards going into the fourth quarter. So we're not uh, we're not throwing it enough, and we're also not throwing it downfield. So combine those two. Hard way to win. Yeah, and there's your there's your thirty second ranked passing attack right there. So, I, well, do you have some more questions for us? Let's let's throw it back yeah. to your show again. Sure. I mean, I, I believe we're more capable of, of what we're doing. Like, I think the, the Lions game is what we're more capable of. We had some decent shots down the field. Mar- Donald Mooney, five catches, 125 yards uh, in that game. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's more – I think that's what we're capable of. We're just not – I don't know if we're not trying it or whatever the situation is was there. But, um, yeah. So, but back to you guys. Um, what do I want to ask you now? I talked about we talked about the defense, talked about the offense. Anybody that's because you brought everybody back is is anybody not performing the way they need to, or uh, you know anything, or has anybody been a surprise this season? Now that uh, playoff Lenny is a full time starter, is he is he better as a starter now than he was at a contributor a year ago, or what's the situation there? Yeah, I touched at that uh, a little bit about, and and that's you know yes, the answer is absolutely yes. Like he was an eyelash from getting cut, right? You know, late in the season last year, um, and he's it took him a few games, but uh, I think it was mostly because what teams have decided to do against the Buccaneers' offense, which is play dime and make them run the ball, like mm-hmm. you know, like. You know, I, that saying, like, you're making me buy it. Like, it's such a good deal. Like, you're making me buy this. <laughs> and that's what teams are doing against the Bucks. They're like, like, you're making us run the ball. Like, there's only, like, six in the box. Like, you're making Tom Brady audible to the run. And he's handing it to Lenny, and Lenny's producing. And so that's kind of what's happened uh, the past three weeks. Um, uh, Leonard Fournette is, has become a must-start in fantasy football, which was completely laughable. Uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, most of his career and especially, uh, his early on buck career, uh, last year. So that would be the biggest surprise besides that. Everyone's just doing, I mean, Steve might have a different answer, but I'm trying to go through my head here. It's like, no one's really dropped off, you know, the map as far as their playability, the most, the, where you could look the most, um, inconsistent play would have been in the defensive backfield. But they're all hurt, so right. we don't have we don't have a sample size to sort of judge it on. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you know, like Kappa, the guard has had hasn't played as well as he played last year, but he's still not giving up sack. He's just giving up one or two more pressures than you want to. But when he does, Brady, you know, has Antonio Brown somewhere one on one and anticipates the throw and it goes for a touchdown. So you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll let that slide. So <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's like. Devin White still can't cover sometimes the end like that's it. It's just it's it's just a very weird feeling as 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 a fan to have really like no complaints. If you really kind of sit down and look at the whole picture. Yes, the defense giving up all these yards, but, you know, we're on our seventh and eighth corners out there and you're only giving up 17 points the past three weeks. So like, what are you what are you what are you crying about? So, right. um, Yeah. You know, Steve might have a different answer, but I, I really got nothing for you. Yeah, the, the, the one thing for me, and we've heard it from some of our reaction shows, is, you know, a lot of people, you know, Bucks fans will say, 
well, JPP isn't, uh, isn't, yeah. you know, providing the same sort of, um, you know, all, all the pressure that he brought last year and, and, and the years prior, uh, with the Buccaneers, like he's taken kind of a, a step back. Now he is wearing the club, uh, on his right hand. So he's out there, you know, as the one, as the proverbial one-legged man in an ass kicking contest. But, um, you know, he's done, so he's taken kind of a step back, but in his spot, they've started to use more of Joe Tryon Shayenka. And we're seeing as, as Ren pointed out there, a lot more of a, an arsenal from the 32nd overall pick than anybody thought that he had. And I, I know was more than he ever put down on film at Washington and maybe having that year off and training in an NFL style uh, facility to get ready for the professional ranks has helped him in that case. But really, there's been very little that you could say, well, that definitely was uh, a, a step back. And, and JPP, like I said, you know, he's doing it with one arm tied behind his back. So you really don't you really can't go out and say, you know, that's that's a true step back. Mm-hmm. Um. I totally forgot what I was going to ask you. <laughs> I had a follow-up, and then you talked me out of it there, Steve. Um, well, you know, it's just that um, I, I've been a fan of uh, of the underdog for so long, and, and the, I always kind of root for the teams that uh, that's only the real fans root for kind of thing. You know, I always like to, to watch the, the team that comes from – or teams that spend years in mediocrity come out along – uh, and doing it. So there was some kind of catharsis to watching Buccaneers do it, even though they did it with Tom Brady, uh, of all people, uh, you know, and kind of killed my argument forever about Brady not being the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> <laughs> because he won it six times in the AFC where there's nothing in the AFC. It's like, okay, it's the it's the the Chiefs, it's the or for years it was the Broncos and the Colts or the Steelers or the Patriots. And that's pretty much how it is in the AFC now. It's like, okay, it's the Chiefs, or it's, you know, maybe it'll be the Browns, maybe it'll be this team or that one or or, or whatever. It's still a very top-heavy conference. Come to the NFC where we send a different team to Super Bowl every single year and see if you can do it there. Okay, and then he did, you know. <laughs> and he did it sure. with the Buccaneers. Of all teams, he did it with the Buccaneers. They go to the Super Bowl and and trounce the defending Super Bowl champions on their own field and uh, and everything. So it's like remember the Titans. Leave yeah. no doubt. Leave no doubt. So you know. So it was like I said. It was uh, it was kind of fun watching them watching them do it. Watching them take down the the next New England because it looks like the Chiefs are are poised to do it all over again, uh, kind of thing. So I don't know. But, um, you know, it's, it's – and I talked to Ren about it. I had him on the show after the Super Bowl. It's like, dude, you guys won the Super Bowl. How does this feel and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it, was, uh, it was a fun conversation that we had because I was trying to live vicariously through him because <laughs> I don't think Watch my team's going to be there anytime soon. <laughs> so, you know, it's like looking – and I'm, I'm dreading this game on Sunday because offense is, is where you guys are succeeding – uh, this year, you we watch the highlights, and granted, it's a highlight, so select moments from the football game. But there's Brady and company making it look easy. Antonio Brown's wide open. You still have Chris Godwin. You still have uh, you know Fournette, and and you're doing things with Cam and Brayton uh, and all that kind of stuff. It is it just shaping up to be a long afternoon uh, for the Bears. And after the way that we kind of collapsed against Green Bay 
Uh, it's it's a game I'm not looking forward to. We're, we're one in three or one in two on the on the road so far uh, this year, and going into the into the, the home of the world champs is is not a not a prospect for a good afternoon, in my opinion. At least at least you're going at a time where it's not going to be ridiculously hot. Yeah. Now there is going to be looks like there's rain in the forecast, which should uh, which should really make things a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, that rain looks like is I'm, I'm pulling up the uh, the the daily uh, forecasts here just to see when this uh, when this rain is supposed to come in. And uh, yeah, it's not looking good. Uh, you're looking at like, well, it's, it looks like. It Carney, looks like why are you doing the weather report on a Wednesday? Because because uh, it's always <laughs> it's always important, Ren. This is this is what we do. This is what we do on the pewter cast yeah. back and forth. Where, like I I I just gob off at the at the mouth and and Ren tells me to shut up. But uh, yeah, it looks like looks like the rain is going to get going right around game time. So should be a fun one. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that might benefit us in in the running game as far as you know the running back knows what cuts he's going to make and the defense has to react to it, uh, kind of thing. But uh, you know, it's still. You know, the one trip that I made to Florida was actually to Tampa back in, it was 2001, but it was November and it was 85 and humid and I wanted to die while I was there because I just came from Illinois where it was 45 uh, degrees uh, outside. So uh, imagine what you'd have to do with five jacket weather down yeah, here with, uh, you know, with, with the equipment on and the fact that the Bears are going to be wearing their dark jerseys instead of the white ones uh, on the road. So yeah, not... Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that all factors in. So there you go. <laughs> the, the weather report on a Wednesday. There you go. That's right. It's a, we- it's a weather report Wednesday. There you go. So you guys have all anything? Weather report Wednesday. There you go. Any, anything for me before we wrap this up? Any anything you can sponsor? Um, I I I we always we always ask um uh, at the end of our show um. Clock hits zero. Bears are coming off the field at Raymond James uh, Stadium victorious. How does it happen? Well, <laughs> well, what what has worked for us this year? Like where we have succeeded, where our victories have come from, winning the turnover battle. Because we haven't had a game this year where we won the turnover battle and lost. That hasn't happened yet. So if the Bears are victorious against the Buccaneers, it's because we number one we forced multiple turnovers and we were able to turn them into something because um, that's what we did. That's how we beat the Bengals. They had they had four straight turnover drives uh, against the against the Bengals, including a pick six from Roquan Smith. When we beat the um, the Lions, we had three turnovers in that game. We and we beat the Raiders one turnover to zero uh, in that game uh, as well. So I mean that's been the trend. For us so far, if the defense can force a takeaway and maybe we turn that into something or maybe we've just killed an important drive uh, for the for the Bucks or uh, whatever, that would probably be the, the, the key proponent to our success was that we, we forced turnovers in that ballgame. Because like this past Sunday against Green Bay, not one single turnover uh, by either team, frankly. Actually, no, we threw one interception, but it didn't really count. But um, Justin Fields thought he had a free play. And he went for the. Oh, that's right. He went yeah. for the deep ball, and it got picked off. And uh, the referees didn't call the offsides 
so it ended up being an interception. But it was third and seven, so it was kind of like Canadian football. We punted on third down uh, kind of thing. Is, is how No one really faults Justin Fields for throwing that interception. It wasn't like it was the fourth quarter and he threw an interception that we absolutely couldn't allow uh, kind of thing. But we didn't force any turnovers on Rodgers. No fumbles, no turnovers, no interceptions, uh, no nothing. And, you know, lo and behold, we lost again. So, And in the other two losses that we have, no turnovers were forced in, in either of those uh, games, not against the Rams or the Browns and the, and the uh, Packers. But also the other trend is we've gotten our asses kicked by the good teams and we've done well against the not-so-good teams. And you guys definitely fall under the good team category. So that's another trend that will probably hold is that you guys are the good team. The good teams beat the okay-slash-bad teams and you know we move on. Uh, from there so but if the Bears pull off a victory it'll be because something that wasn't game plan took place like us winning the turnover battle like three to one or something like that all right so so I mean would that that's so let me flip the question on you what would it take for the Bears to beat Tampa Bay this Sunday uh malaria um, <laughs> you know i don't know a covid yeah. outbreak that includes tom brady and chris godwin and no you can't you know. say that because ren is of the of the opinion that he thinks that uh blaine gabbert could win uh, 11 games well you know what he did say that to me over the uh yeah. over the off season that uh, they have a very high opinion of blaine gabbert and what they'd be able to do uh I believe if brady BA were out the most underrated player in the history of the national football league wow yes Verbatim. Well, to tell you the truth, we've lost a game to Blaine Gabbert uh, during his San Francisco days. Um, yes, uh, he contributed that in, in two ways. Number one, uh, we all apparently forgot that Blaine Gabbert can run, and he ran untouched for 40 yards and a touchdown to send the game to overtime. And then he threw a 70-yard touchdown pass. I forget who the receiver was, but 70-yard touchdown pass in overtime to win the game uh, against us in Soldier Field. So... I've fallen Most victim to Blaine Gabbert NFL history. before, yes. So <laughs> I've, I've seen his flashes. Uh, but we also played Blaine Gabbert when he was with the, the Jaguars back in like 2010, and we won like 68-3 to three or something. It was, it was bananas. He threw one interception after another. Um, and I think Charles Tillman scored more touchdowns than our offense did uh, in that game. So it was uh, one of those. So I've seen both nice. sides of Blaine Gabbert. So. Nice. To me, to me, here's how here's how the Bears come out of this with a victory. Um, it's got to be the the offensive line has to do something in the passing game. Yeah, uh, they have to they have to keep Justin Fields upright. They've got to give him an extra second or two to to see the to see the field. And uh, because the the Bucks secondary is so bombed out and depleted like Afghanistan, um, I I do think that you know if you can get um, uh, Moody uh, and, and even Allen Robinson, uh, you know, some, I, I think you guys could be able to sustain drives in the passing game. If, if uh, Justin Fields gets enough time to stay upright, keep him upright. I think you're in, you're, you're in better shape than you think. Right. Cause running a ball against you guys is still a problem, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where I want to go on. I think if you guys stay committed to the run that that would keep you in the game. Um, teams don't even try to run on the Buccaneers anymore. I mean, the New England game, it was a new franchise record because it was a grand total of negative one yards that was ran against that defense. But when you're only when teams are only trying to run the ball like six times against you, ten yeah. times against you, yeah, of course you're eight times. 
yeah, your the yardage is going to be super low. Now, in, in the last game uh, against the Eagles, they decided to commit to the run sort of on one of their, I think it was their final drive, and Miles Sanders, you know, picked up some nice yardage. Uh, so with the secondary being banged up at it, as it is, Todd Bowles is having to um, take defensive assets and sort of hide and um, try to hide his corners. Um, you know, he's he's dropping back edges in, in pass zone set. I, I mean, Vita Vea, I know he did this last year too, but if, if you watch close enough, there's nothing funnier than seeing a 330-pound nose guard drop back in the middle of the field and pass coverage and zone coverage. And yeah. He's doing things like that to sort of help out the back end. And if you're doing that, um, you know, taking away assets to stop the run, then of course you have a greater chance to, the Bears have a greater chance to actually be successful in that. So I think, you know, besides like, like you said, Larry, you know, you know, defensive touchdown, special team touchdown, you know, something that just goes crazy kind of off script. Right. Uh, I, I think that if the Bears stay committed to the run, they they can keep it close because what I've noticed this, the offensive play calls tend to get a little, I don't want to say frantic, but I feel like they get rushed uh, against teams they feel like they're going to beat, and they kind of, like, it's the second quarter, and they're only up 10-7. So they're, like, trying to score three touchdowns on one drive, you right. know? Sure. And 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 uh, and so the longer the Bears keep it close, I think the more sort of, not panicky, but, but I guess you know, just not, not a steady hand on the tiller and let's just march the ball down the field and get our points and, you know, and let the defense do their thing. But, you know, sort of, like I said, like, okay, I, this needs to be a 10 point drive because we're only, we're only up three against the bears and it's halfway to the second, what the hell's going on? Right. Uh, so that, that, that would be the way that for me personally, I would think that the bears would be their best shot to uh, walk out of Tampa with a victory. Okay. Well, I personally think that after the way that we played, you guys are going to annihilate us uh, on Sunday. Yeah, um, me too. I've, I've seen the spread, uh, the, or at least the last I heard it was 12 and a half, um, which is a huge uh, spread. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm not good with gambling or, you know, really couldn't even tell you what the hell that even means. But um, I would Nor take, am I. Ask Ren. Yeah. I just... <laughs> I would think, you know, the, the, the Bucks could do better than 12 and a half points, so I would take that bet. However, I would have to word it in order to make it a bet. I'll take that uh, over the Bears right now. Um, obviously, can we win? Yes, we can. We have a good enough defense to slow you guys down. It's just a matter of whether the offense can score enough points to, to do it. So can we win? Yes. Will we? I don't think so. So I, I, that's the question I ask myself, or the two questions I ask myself, Every single week. Can we win? Yes. This is the NFL. The Jaguars just won a game, so anybody can. And, right. you know, but will we win? Uh, probably not. No, I don't think so. So, no. I think we'll be three and four when we, when we get on the, tra- uh, the, the train, the plane back to Chicago. <laughs> we'll be three and four. So, that's how I feel yeah. about it. It's something we didn't talk about. Uh, I think Brady's kind of took it really personally um losing in prime time to the bears yeah there's that yeah what was would we have like 80 yards and penalties and like five plays in a row or something something like that like first down on the bears 30 and then we're punting from like our own 20 
<laughs> you know, it was all penalty yards. It was no like sack yards in there. And then well, the my favorite part down. of that Thursday night game, Ren, was the fact that that there was another drive like that where it was like first and thirty six, and you guys got a first down like on the very next play. <laughs> you know, like Roquan Smith came running in like a bat out of the hell, a bat out of hell with his head down or something like that. Ronald Jones made a miss, and then he ran for a first down uh, after that. Just like great. We get them pinned all the way back in our own territory. You give up a 40-yard run on the next play. Nice job, guys. So, yeah, yeah we had those moments. But then Brady had his senior moment in thinking I that did. it was third down when it was actually fourth and uh, nearly threw an interception, actually. But uh, And we, we came away with a miracle victory uh, in that <laughs> one. That was the best win we had all season, man. The best one we had all year was beating the future world champs in prime time. Our first win over Brady. Uh, which I'm sure that's another reason he wants revenge against the Bears is that he never lost to him before, and then he did so on national TV. So, yeah, a lot of things for Brady to be pissed about going into this week. So, yeah, should be a yeah. fun one. Yeah, well, fun for you guys. I don't know how it's going to be for us. So, <laughs> we'll see if my uh, my pessimism can somehow turn into a miracle win, and I'll be sitting here gladly eating my own words uh, when I review the game on Monday. So, we'll have to uh, to wait and see how it goes. I'm going to be. Uh, going on vacation, going back home to the Chicagoland to see the family. So I'll be watching nice. the game with my dad, uh, which is always interesting. And uh, <laughs> should be interesting watching him not throw shit at the TV so he doesn't break it. Um, now, are you, you know. are, now are you are you in the are you in the city itself or are you in the suburbs? Uh, well, dad lives uh, in uh, northeast, northwest Indiana, which is basically like Chicago east so. so so like gary yeah in that area yeah gary merrillville those those uh those towns uh right. and everything but we were in the city forever uh lived in the suburbs and then he decided to get the hell out of illinois so he's as close to illinois as you can get without actually being in it anymore uh in northwest indiana so yeah well guys i i appreciate this this has been a lot of fun um, I look forward to creating some reason to have you guys back on. Like maybe we can be same place finishers again uh, next season. Cause I don't think we played the NFC South last year. This was a same place game. Cause somehow, even though you won the world championship, you were still a second place team in your division uh, last year. So we'll see if we can, if we can work our way up to first place so we can do it again next year or something, create some reason to have you guys back on the show. Yeah, I, I I was uh talking to my roommate earlier today and I was telling him how I was gonna cheat on the pod as in putting this up as our pod and you putting it up as your pod. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like and I'm like, Yeah, I got this guy named Larry and I just thought about it I like like we have played the Bears like five times in the past six years. Yeah. Like I feel like I talk to you like every year. Just about every year. year. Yeah. It's so, been so weird. But hopefully, you know, the streak continues. Yeah. So starting when I, I think I had you guys on for the first time in twenty seventeen. We played again in 2018. I think 2019 was the exception, and then last year, and then this year again. So yeah, yeah four out of the last five years, the Bucks have been on the schedule. So, wow, yeah, works for me. So I love having you guys on. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to having you on again, and good luck on Sunday. Win or lose, at least hopefully everybody comes out healthy, so we don't have to worry about any more injuries. Amen. Yes, I'll 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 uh, toast to that. All right. Thanks again, guys. So there you have it, uh, the unplanned thing 
would be the Bears winning the turnover battle. That's been the key to victory in the three games that we've won this year. We won the turnover battle. We won it four to one against uh, the Bengals. We won it what two to nothing or something like that against Detroit, and then we won it one to nothing uh, over the uh, Raiders. I mean, granted, it was an inconsequential. Uh, turnover, but it killed the drive. It killed any momentum that they had. It got us the football back, uh, you know, taking it out of Derek Carr and that dangerous offense's hands. And, you know, we won that football game. So it, it's there. And, you know, you heard Wren also kind of uh, say that, you know, a defensive touchdown, a special teams touchdown, that would be great. You know, I kind of feel like after his performance last week, Jakeem Grant is this close to breaking one. I really do. So hopefully he'll be able to do that and get us some, uh, get us some special teams points and, uh, uh, you know, help us, uh, you know, help the cause out uh, a little bit and uh, maybe see if the defense can do that uh, as well. Maybe Roquan can get another pick six or maybe Eddie Jackson can come back from the dead. And uh, after the week that he's had uh, fighting on Twitter with Lance Briggs uh, and uh, all getting backed up by his teammates, but you see nobody backing Eddie Jackson up, <laughs> but you know, uh, I mean, you know, now that he's done fighting with with Briggs and, and Olin Krutz on on Twitter, maybe he can focus on getting interceptions and being a guy that's earning fourteen point five million dollars uh, a season. Maybe just maybe. But, uh, you know, just a crazy idea to throw it out there. But I think that if the Bears win the turnover battle, if we can somehow force the Buccaneers into, you know, into those mistakes and we capitalize on those mistakes that's how the Bears can win because I don't think that we're good enough to beat the Buccaneers straight up. So it'll be have to, we'll have to take advantage of something that wasn't planned for. You don't plan to turn over uh, the football. You don't plan uh, on giving up a special teams uh, touchdown or, or, you know, or anything like that. Those are the things you can't plan for. That's how the Bears win this game. So I'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow on the deep dive preview, but that's how I think. And, you know, I think for the, if, if I remember correctly, they, they agreed with me uh, on that pretty much that, uh, you know, the unforeseen intangibles is probably what wins this game uh, for the Bears, you know, outside of the Bears completely shutting down the Buccaneers, which I think we have the horses to do, at least getting after Brady and, and all that kind of stuff. We did it last year. Maybe we can do it again. So we'll have to, uh, to wait and see how that all turns out. Uh, I think that's all I got for you. I think uh, Ren and Steve and I covered uh, enough than uh, to hear me blathering on. Plus, I want to save some of this brilliance for tomorrow's deep dive uh, preview. So come on back tomorrow for the deep dive preview. We'll uh, do keys to the game. We'll uh, we'll see what uh, news and notes we have out there. We'll get the latest on Robert Quinn. Is he going to be able to play for us on Sunday? Will we get Damian Williams back? Or, uh, you know, what else have the Bears been up to? Uh, this week besides Eddie Jackson getting into Twitter fights with Lance Briggs and Olin Cruz. So we'll uh, come on back for that uh, tomorrow and uh, we'll get you ready for Bears Bucks on Sunday. And until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.